opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about remarriage. And you and I have both been remarried and we're married to each other. And this is, I've just been reading this great book by Terry Gospard. It's called The Remarriage Manual, How to Make Everything Work Better the Second Time Around. So, that's, I think, mine is much better the second time around, so I love this book. It's just great. Let me tell you about Terry. Terry Gaspard, MSW, L-I-C-S-W, is a licensed therapist, author, and college instructor who specializes in working with children, adults, couples, and families. And she is a regular contributor to Pathios.com, the Good Men Project, uh, Project.com, the Gottman Institute Relationship Blog, DivorceMoms.com, DivorceMagazine.com, which I've written a bunch of articles for them as well, and Marriage.com. Terry's award-winning book, Daughters of Divorce, Overcoming the Legacy of Your Parents' Breakup and Enjoy a Happy, Long-Lasting Relationship, was her first book. And her new book is The Remarriage Manual, which I told you about, How to Make Everything Work Better the Second Time Around. So you can find out more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see her picture, her bio, and we link to her website movingpastdivorce.com. So thank you so much for joining us, Terry. You're welcome. It's great to be here. So Terry, tell us a little bit about why you decided to write this second book. Well, I actually was raised in a blended family. My parents divorced when I was around seven years of age. And I had a successful experience with that, but I know that's not the case for every child growing up as a stepchild. And then when I got into graduate school and started doing research, I found out some very interesting findings about daughters of divorce versus sons of divorce. But I also found out some very illuminating facts about remarriages and what can work and what can't work. But I kind of put that project on hold because because I was divorced and also remarried myself during that phase um, of life. And I have three children that I've raised in a step family. So when my um, agent said to me, well, you did really well with Daughters of Divorce, what's your next book? It just basically came out as a conversation between 
the two of us that I do best when I write from my own experience. And I have a lot of experience with all these topics. And I've interviewed 100 couples and found out even more to 100 remarried couples um, about what makes second marriages even better than first. Right, right. There are some... Now, I I feel mine is much better. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, my husband, I'm his fourth, but he's with me 30 years, so I think he learned something over the years. (laughs) But he's he's only my second. But, you know, for me, like, I know... When I went through that divorce, and I never thought I would, my parents were married 50 years when my mother died, you know, so yeah. I never even really thought about divorce for me. And sure. then, you know, and then it happened it kind of like a shocker, one of these things where your husband runs off with his 22-year-old secretary. So um, that was a, a real shocker to me. But but I, I realized it wasn't, you know, his fault. It was both of our faults. But I decided I was going to really learn from that because I didn't I, want to go through that again. So, I, I, But I've done a lot of divorce of people who I've done their second divorce or their uh, third divorce. So, you know, that's that. why does that happen where there's such a high rate of divorce in the second marriages? Do you know? Yep, I have a lot of information about that. Um, And one of the main reasons is that love can be sweeter the second or third time around, but once the bliss and the infatuation wears off, the reality, Mari, of joining two distinct worlds sets in, day-to-day life, and often you're blending children into those situations, and the fact that you don't have the time for romance, Um, and really to get to know each other. Think about it this way. Most first marriages are between people that are significantly significantly younger, you know. Yeah. First marriages are, you know, pretty much now in the late 20s, maybe 30. The average age of the people in my sample and the remarried couples that are, are joining worlds in the 21st century is early 40s. So you have you have that issue where you you meet someone, you fall in love, you're you know you're full of you know energy and enthusiasm, and then you start living together. And often this happens very quickly on the rebound. That's another another factor where you know you you don't want to be alone. You know you meet someone, you think well you have some things in common, and then you realize day to day life in a step family or a blended family can be rather challenging because you may have differences that you didn't really have a chance to iron out because you didn't even, in many cases, get to know each other very well before you got remarried. So Mm. those are the primary reasons. Yeah. So uh, this is so fascinating that you interviewed 100 couples. Tell us about that. How did you recruit them and, and what were some exciting things? Well, let's just do, how did you recruit them first? Yeah. Well, I'm primarily through my own practice because I'm a couples therapist. I had quite a few couples and then through word of mouth, they knew couples. So about over a period of three years um, with very, very intensive questions, that I had help, you know, formulating with some experts that also know a lot about this topic. I interviewed couples from my practice, but I also belong to a group of therapists 
in the state where I live, and many of them are couples counselors, so they were sending some of their couples that they were working with. And the couples really enjoyed talking because it gave them the opportunity to ask questions and vent concerns, almost like a, a little kind of mini psychoeducational meeting that we had. In fact, some of the couples wanted to meet with me more than once. Um, I never had to post an ad in a magazine. I did end up posting, I mean, a newsletter or, you know, newspaper or magazine. But I did post some notices on Facebook because I have a very active Facebook um, fan base. Um, and that I recruited probably a third of the people through social media. But most were my own practice and word of mouth and other therapists sharing their clients. Yeah. yeah. So what was... Uh... What are some of the most surprising things that you learned? Well, one of the most surprising things for me is that um, a lot of times people end up repeating those patterns that they had in their first marriage. They have unresolved emotional baggage. They have issues like trust issues that they really haven't had a chance to work through because, you know, they either got remarried too quickly or they just didn't take the time to go into therapy or really deal with them. For instance, if your marriage ends because of infidelity, you might have trust issues with your new partner because, let's face it, you know, you have these ghosts from the past that are, you know, lurking. And and so if you have a, a partner that, you know, is even late a lot or a little bit unreliable, you might start checking and, you know, going on their social media accounts or looking on their phone. And those kinds of things really can endanger a relationship and cause people to become very, um, dis- either very distant or very um, angry. So all, a lot of baggage from the first or second marriage sometimes is carried into the new new remarriage, and that that can really wreak havoc and cause people high conflict. And then, as you well know, couples often have trouble resolving or managing conflict because they weren't really given the tools to do so, and they haven't, you know, they, they bicker about things a lot, and there's a lot to bicker about in step families and blended families, so a lot of the issues with the kids, which we'll talk about. And so the biggest issue was that baggage issue, and then some. Some of the couples, actually, about forty percent of the couples, more than more than a few, um, talked about financial infidelity. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, when I have couples in mediation, I, I keep them together because I want them to both trust the process that they're getting the legal education together, and we work through. And I see those issues, the same issues, the blame, the guilt, <laughs> all that stuff. I see those. And um, I tell them when they're in, you know, if they tried a couples therapy or if they didn't try couples therapy, it's almost like couples therapy and mediation because you've got to divide community property. You have to, you know, set up custody schedules and be collaborative and all this. So, you know, I tell them you better learn this now on how to negotiate with each other. You didn't know how in your divorce I mean, you didn't know in your marriage, but boy, otherwise, you know, you're going to think you're going to go out and you're going to meet somebody. You're going to fall in love. They're going to have a different face. They're going to have a different body, but the same issues are going to come up until you learn what part of it is you. 
right? So true. In fact, chapter three of my book is called Ditch the Baggage from Your First Marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see that. I love it. I love it. I give give a lot of really concrete ways to do that, you know. And what complicates matters even more so is, you know, when when your kids are younger, if you're co-parenting, which, as you know, is, you know, pretty much a trend, then you're seeing your former partner quite a bit when you're dropping and picking up the kids or they're doing that. So there's, there's a lot of contact, and if things don't go smoothly, some of those tensions um, can, you know, be brought into the new marriage. And, you know, our, sure. our, our uh, media and, you know, TV and, to- and shows, you know, sitcoms and whatever present sometimes a very different view of co-parenting than what it really is, which is you try to be cordial, you try to be businesslike, but it doesn't always go smoothly. Yeah, you have to really respect each other, and that's what's really, you know, and then there's a lot of anger that they perhaps did not resolve. So, you know, it comes out in the kids' experience that anger you know tell your father this you know i always tell him do not do your business with through your kids you know and so that's you know a lot of that unresolved anger which is why i always tell my couples to go see someone like you because terry they really need that you know they're going through this traumatic experience i tell them get yourself some counseling work on yourself first right and get true and go early because one of the main Reasons why people um, get divorced, in my opinion, and Dr. John Gottman, who's a leading expert, as you know, right. on marriage um, and all the topics we're talking about, he says most couples wait too long. Yeah. No, they don't go in the early stages. They, they go after six years of marriage or remarriage when a lot of the patterns have, have already set in. And it's, it, it is hard to change that, you know, like I said, with the bickering, the blaming each other, yeah. you know, the defensiveness, the, the criticism. Yeah. Um, he's got those four um, horsemen of the apocalypse, the criticism, the contempt, the defensiveness, and the stonewalling. Right. Those I use as a template for my counseling sessions and try to, you know, see how couples are doing on all those key issues because, you know, those are... Those are factors that definitely lead to a divorce, and in remarriages, the divorce rate is quite a bit higher than it is for first marriages. Yeah. You know, when when Lloyd and I got together, I wouldn't get married for a long, long time. We were together 12 years before we got married, and now we're married 20 years. But we, you know, we read all those books, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. We we didn't want the same mistakes that were made before. Mm -hmm. So um, we worked on that, and I really recommend that couples, you know, read that stuff together. But I think the thing that was most helpful for me is really to work on myself Sure. So that I didn't, you know, the patterns are going to repeat if unless yeah. I change. And I think that's something that's so important is that once I decide I am not going to engage in what I did before, that now I have a greater understanding. So, so having a, a divorce and learning from it can be the greatest gift, right? So true. And, you know, just basically learning more about yourself and how you interact with other people and knowing when to take a pause because we talked about high conflict and if you have it in your head, I've got to resolve this difference right now. I've got to get my point across. 
then you're operating on, uh, you know, self-righteousness rather than, you know, it's more important to be happy than to be right. Oh, yeah. I always tell my clients that because they're all, you know, my clients, no matter what kind of conflict in there. I, yeah. You know, I've had people who said, I have to say to them, would you rather be happy than or right? And sometimes they say, I'd rather be right. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, isn't it? Yeah. But, if, you know, if you figure out what's, what's in terms of couples that are married, you know, in, in a second marriage, if you, if you figure out what's best for the relationship... Yes. rather than individuals. Right. One right. of my main points in the book is, you know, that you're in this together. And if you weather the storms uh, over the, the first, you know, six, seven, eight years, and you learn how to deal with these conflicts by either saying, yeah, let's talk about this, let's have a stress-reducing conversation once a week, you know, to talk about what's going on in the family. Let's go for a date night, another night, and, you know, still enjoy each other's company. And if you have all those ingredients that I talk about in the book, like making, you know, your relationship a priority, and you know how to deal with the kids, which is a whole other issue, yeah. you know, you, you could have a marriage that, like we said, far exceeds in terms of the happiness of your first marriage, but you can't be easily discouraged by difficulties. So that really comes down to having realistic expectations. Exactly. And and talking about them before you even remarry, I know, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'll tell you, sometimes money becomes an issue. And oh, yeah. When, yeah, a difficult problem for remarried couples. Because if one comes with a lot of money and the other one doesn't or... Oh if they want to spend more money on their kids than they do on their husband or wife, right? So kind of, yeah, is that what you experienced there? Yeah, I'll tell you a typical scenario, you know, obviously confidential, but this is typical. A couple who are remarried in their early to mid-40s, let's say in this case the husband has two kids from another, from his first marriage, Right. And he spends a lot of money taking the kids on vacations and signing them up for expensive camps. And his second wife, his new partner, and he have two children. Mm. And she feels, for instance, exactly what you just said. She feels slighted because a lot of the income goes for the second, I mean, for the um, you know, older kids, kids they're yeah. teenagers from the first marriage. But he doesn't consult her about that. He doesn't say, oh, I'm signing, you know, Jimmy up for, you know, a sports camp that's $2,000 a week. Therefore, we're not going to be able to take the kids to New Hampshire for vacation. Right. So, as you well know, full disclosure about finances is so key. Yep. Uh, If you've got this hidden agenda, and I dealt with some of that myself early on in my marriage, if you have an agenda of, you know, it's my money versus your money, and right. I should be able to spend it however I want. I earn my own income. My kids deserve to go to this camp oh. or on vacation with one of their friends because they've, they've suffered enough, you know, with the divorce and all that. And I don't share that, which I sometimes wouldn't do early on because I didn't realize it was so important. And I don't share that with my partner, my husband, there's a lot of resentment that builds up from that. Right, right. 
So in the chapter that I have about finances, it's actually kind of an interesting, you know, title, Don't Keep Secrets About Money. Right, right. Because I found that was so prominent. Secret accounts, spending money, you know, on your kids from your first marriage or hiding money, you know, because you're insecure about money, credit card debts that you don't tell your partner about or past loans and things. Those things can be so damaging because it's it's definitely a form of betrayal. Right. And a lot of people think, well, you know, that's a sin of omission. That's not like the biggest deal when I didn't tell, you know, my husband or wife that, you know, I had, you know, credit card debt or that I, you know. Yeah, spent. yeah. It is a big deal. Right. It is. Well, you know, I do a lot of premarital counseling when people come to me and they want a premarital agreement or an antenuptial agreement, whatever you call it in your state. And that really helps clients because I ask them, what about the kids? How are you going to decide about money? Because some, you know, people will come in with more money than the other and and I have Mm -hmm. them disclose what their, what their assets and debts are. I have them disclose what you know, everything, you know, what is your child and spouse's support to the mm-hmm. other one? And so we talk about it. And the good thing is in mediation, you know, I'm going to keep them on an even keel. And I'm going to ask all these questions. Well, what about this? Even about like, what do you want to do with your estate planning? You know, is every, you know, they want to give everything to their kids and nothing to their wife and say, there you, you go. Know, we yeah, don't, that's we don't ha- yeah, we don't have any community property. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we live in a um, community property state, but, you know, other states are marital property, which are similar in that you, you know, each party gets to have half. So, you know, it's really important to think about those legal issues because those legal issues really affect your relationship, especially okay. when you're talking about money. Yeah. And before you know it, your kids are older and they, you know, speaking of money, how about college, you know? Right. I mean, are you going? Who's going to pay for college? And what if you have an ex-spouse who is unable or unwilling to contribute, and you have smart kids, or you have kids that you know get recruited or want to go to expensive colleges, or even state colleges have gone, gotten to be really expensive. And so then, what are you going to do? How are you going to fund that? So in in that chapter, I talk about law, a lot of different ways to manage money. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really outside the box that people haven't really yeah. thought about um, that can help them and how to have a, a, bud- a budget that works for you and ways to discuss money and put your fears and anxieties aside and realize even though it's tricky to talk about it, it's so healthy. I, fe- I started feeling much, much better about my marriage when I realized we're going to have to have at least a cup, an hour or two a week when we talk about difficult things that come up. Um, It's not going to be, you know, a yelling, screaming match. It's going to be influence each other. I'm big on influencing each other in a positive way, even if you don't agree. This is how I feel. How do you feel? Listen to each other. Write some things down. And 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 definitely get legal advice. I've had issues in the second marriage where... There was a life insurance policy on the mm-hmm. previous life, a wife for yep. to prepare for that, you know, God forbid that that husband were to die. And then mm-hmm. there would be support f- 
you know, so mm-hmm. so the wife who maybe was married 30 years and doesn't have any money. And then if if people don't deal with the legal issues of it, of like, okay, I have this life insurance policy on my former wife, but I can get a new policy on my life for you. And if you don't discuss that and you don't know your legal rights, people fight about the life insurance policy and, and people fight right. about the pensions and all these things. So, oh, yeah. so to me, I felt very good about I knew enough before I got married to explain to my new husband, look, these are the legal issues that we've got to talk about. You know, yeah. the house that we're going to live in is my house. Sure. You know, and it's in my name and yep. you're in my trust. But if I got, you know, if I were to die mm-hmm. and we're still married, you would get the house. But if we were divorced, I can change my trust. So, you know, you got to explain all that to each other. And you and if you're not a lawyer, you're not going to know those things. Right. No, and, you, you know, or someone will die in their house. They weren't on the husband's deed. Yeah, you know, yeah, and then I, what? I then, that. yeah, then I, the kids get it. So, uh, aside from just discussing like every day, you know, mm-hmm. a, a budget every day, you really yeah. need to understand your legal rights when you remarry. Yeah, sure. No, that's crucial. And a lot of people go. You know, a lot of people, as I said, we're full circle now. Um, now for, with our conversation, a lot of people go into a second or third marriage with rose-colored glasses, you know? Yes, yes. The idea that true love will solve all problems. And it is exhilarating to fall in love again, you know? I fell in love with my husband um, pretty quickly, and it's been a wonderful relationship. But you've got to be able to navigate those tough things together for your relationship to be long-lasting and um, to be one where, you know, you feel heard you feel listened to you feel respected appreciated one, yeah and if, and if one person is willing to look at themselves even if both people don't want to go for counseling that can even change the dynamic a lot of people ask me well, what if my husband or wife doesn't want to go for for therapy or counseling even if one does and you're able to you know advocate for yourself and feel better about yourself that can improve the dynamic between you and your partner. Absolutely. It only takes one person, you know, that my expertise is conflict resolution. It uh-huh. only takes one person to change the game. Sure. One person that, that, you know, has the emotional intelligence on how to respond when somebody is attacking, you know? Exactly. And so, so often we're looking for the other person. Right. Change, right. And we're so focused on what they're going to do, that we forget that we really need to look at our approach. Yes. And, That's you know, why going to a counselor like you is so important because, you know, you can, I remember when I went through my divorce, I decided to go to for counseling because I wanted to get my head together. And I remember whenever I would bring up my ex, she'd say, this is, your ex is not here. We're not going to talk about your ex. What part of this is you? And mm-hmm. she kept, you know, bringing me back to that. And that was so powerful because right, right. then I learned to do that. It's really all about me. What yep. am I doing? And then I can, once I know what I'm doing, then I can negotiate with my spouse about 
I'll do this and what will you do, you know? Exactly, yeah. Be, be able to be authentic about who you are, what you, what you need, and be able to state that in a positive way. You know, I really need, you know, more help with stuff around the house because then I'll be in a better mood and have more energy to do fun things over the weekend as opposed to you never help me. Right, all right. You think yourself, you know, just all those communication tips, which I'm sure yeah. you're very well aware of, you know, it can set the stage for a much more harmonious life. Um, and we probably don't have time to talk about right. the kids, the stepkids today. But in my book, um, Chapter 9 is Embrace Your Role as a Step-Parent and How to Create Positive Step-Family Memories, Really Powerful Stories. I include the stories of the people that I interviewed in the book. Great. Well, we only have like another minute left, so I want to make sure, not even a minute, I want to make sure that I say the name of your book. It's uh, Terry Gaspard is the author, The Remarriage Manual, How to Make Everything Work Better the Second Time Around. It's wonderful. Why don't you just give us your website and it's time to go. Movingpastdivorce.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Terry. We'll keep in touch. Keep up the wonderful, great work. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Great to, to spend time with you. Okay, bye-bye. You've bye. been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website, conflicthealing.com. Thanks.